This is Velo Mitrovich, host of the Brewers Journal podcast, and you're listening to the second part of our special On the Road broadcast. In part one, we were at Jerusalem's Shapiro Brewery. For part two, we're now at Tabeth Brewing Company in the Palestinian Christian village of Tabeth, located east of Ramallah, west of Jordan, and north of the Dead Sea. To be honest, I have absolutely no idea what's north of here, except for one big Israeli military radar. If you were a bird with strong wings, you could fly between the two breweries in about 10 to 15 minutes. However, in this highly polarized part of the world, some days even a bird would find the journey hard between Israel and Palestine. If you think you have a challenge making beer, You do not know what the word challenge means until you visit Palestine. What you'll be able to take away from today's podcast is a truly inspirational story as General Director Nadine Khoury talks about Tabith Brewery, brewing beer in a Muslim country, and doing the world's most complicated dance, getting supplies in and beer out to 30 countries. Well, I'm not going to go into it this podcast, but will later in the Brewer's Journal magazine. Besides the brewery, Tabith has an extremely green and ultra-modern hotel, a winery, and will soon be opening a distillery. Tourists are extremely welcomed at this friendly brewery and village. Later in the podcast, we'll be joined by Nadine's daughter, Madiz, who has the distinction of being the only female brewer in the Middle East. And throughout it all, we'll be sampling way too many beers for this broadcaster. So let's begin. Nadine, you were the founder of Tabeth? Yes, I'm the founder. I'm the founder of the Taibu Beer, Taibu Brewing Company in 1994. I was the first one to come back to Palestine and to make history in Palestine and to make the first Palestinian beer company. And I'm proud what I did. But you were living in the States for over 20 years, correct? With that's your right. With your brother, David? That's, that's right. I went as a student after I finished high school from here, from Taipei, to the United States and to Boston. And then uh, I get hooked with some friends that they were brewing beer at home and the dormitory. And people were believe it's magic. How could you make beer at home? My father owns a travel agency in Ramallah. And he used to send us the tickets so we could come back to Palestine uh, and to make the first uh, Palestinian beer he wanted us to come back to. And uh, they would believe it's magic. How could you make beer at home? And my father encouraged me very much to continue on and to become brewing engineer. Uh, After I finished BA in business administration, I went to the University of Davis and I studied brewing engineer. I came back at the right time, at the right place. And you were the very first craft brewer in Palestine? I was the first one in the whole Middle East. There was no microbrewery in Israel or in Jordan or in Lebanon. Now there is a three in Lebanon, one in Jordan, uh, 15 in Israel. Uh, In Palestine, there is another two or three. They're small. And most people, when they think of Palestine, they think of Muslims. How, how are you selling beer here? What, uh, how, how well, beer is found. I'm a Christian, and there is a lot of people are, uh, the amount of alcohol being sold cannot be drank by the 1% Christian. So it must be 
somebody's doing a good job <laughs> at it. <laughs> so, so beer is found. <laughs> and everybody drinks beer. I mean, beer is healthy beverage to drink. Yeah. We love making beer. Beer is in our veins than, uh, than blood. Before we get into beer, a little bit about Palestine. This is my first time here, wife's first time here. I think when I was driving in, I was expecting, even at the border, I thought there'd be a row of Israeli soldiers on one side and Palestinian on the other facing each other. I thought I'd see flags flying everywhere, Israel. I've seen nothing like that whatsoever. Well, you're right. Uh, there is nothing like that. And we want to change that image because by making a, a Palestinian beer to show the whole world that Palestinians are normal people. There is no such thing. They like to enjoy life and to uh, have a beer once in a while. It's not uh, like what you see on television, the fighting and the uprising and the shooting and the intifada and the checkpoint. We do suffer so much from that, but there is not much uh, that you can see. I mean, this is a peaceful, uh, resistance to occupation. I mean, not too many countries in the world still occupied. We don't want that. We want to be able to practice our daily needs, to be able to go to school, uh, to go to uh, hospital, to do our daily needs without any problems. There is no reason uh, for we can live side by side and enjoy it with a glass of Taibe. Why not? Why not? You were talking to me down the brewery about the ingredients that you bring in. Yes. So how do they come into Palestine? They had to come through because Palestine does not have any borders. We use the Israeli port, either at Ashdod port or Haifa port. All our raw material except the water and the, and the workers are Palestinian, but everything we bring, uh, Belgium malt, uh, and French malt, uh, Bavarian hops, and uh, Czech Republic hops, London yeast. So all our ingredients are from abroad. We had to use the Israeli uh, borders. And how long does it take from, I guess, the time you put an order in for Bavarian hops to the time they actually arrive? This is a major issue because sometimes uh, the port is on strike or there is a, a delayed, so we have to plan things in advance. We've been in the business for the past 25 years. This year is the 25th uh, anniversary for our Taibe uh, uh, beer, and we will make something special. But we do suffer so much from the obstacles and the problems. Like, for instance, the port, uh, we had to buy things in plan. We have to plan in advance. We have to buy the raw material before it leaves Europe. And then uh, uh, we have to... Uh, make sure that we get the raw material so we don't run out. And uh, it's a problem. I mean, you look at the costs that must be involved in that. Are they, are they high? You could say brewing beer in Palestine, it's not like brewing beer anywhere in the world because the fact that in every corner in the UK or in Germany, there is a brewery and you could get raw material, you could get yeast. Here, if we get stuck, it's a problem. So that's why we plan things in advance. Does that kind of limit what you can do with beer? That you know, Just even being in uh, Jerusalem and talking to the brewers there, they were able to bring in more ingredients than it seems like you'd be able to do. Yeah, we, we do. So far, we haven't... Uh, we had few few problems one time at the port uh, with the empty bottles. 
they were stuck. Uh, we had a, a order of malt. We had a problem with it. One time the yeast, we had a problem. So we had many problems actually with using uh, the Israeli port. But we have no choice. I mean, the same is the export. Uh, every time we export, we have to uh, get a permit from the Palestinian Authority, then an Israeli permit, and then ship to Europe. And uh, we shipped to Japan for the past 15 years, to Tokyo, Japan. Uh, the shipping from here to Ashdod port doubled the cost from Ashdod to Tokyo, which takes about 48 days to get there, but the expenses to from here to the port and the logistics. So does your beer have to be quite low price? We are, we are higher than, uh, than the, the beers that uh, uh, imported. Huh. We are expensive than imported beer, yes. What does your beer cost here in Palestine for a bottle? We sell our beer uh, wholesale price six and a half shekel, which is equivalent to, uh, it's about $1.8 per bottle. Okay, and then re what does it retail for? Retails for uh, eight, uh, two, two and a half dollars. Depends, if you have it in a restaurant, it will cost you like five, four to five dollars. For a while, you were trying to sell it in Germany. You you had a, or you were going to brew it in Germany. We we sold the first container of beer in '97 after three years been open. I opened in '94. The first container shipped to Germany was in '97. My partner, who's my brother, told me, "Are you sure you want to export to Germany? You want to sell ice to Eskimo?" I said, "Why not? Uh, this is the place where beer was was the birth of beer here." the pharaohs 5,000 years ago when they built the permit they used to give the wages to the worker a loaf of bread and a shaft of beer keren of beer so history re repeats itself why not we can export so I didn't give them any discount they bought a full container of 10 pallets of beer within a month the container was sold in Germany so they sent me an invitation to go sign a contract with them. And I went and I signed a contract for 10 years. And we were brewing the beer under license in Nagol, Germany. And sold very well. And then uh, Belgium asked for the contract the same to do the same. We did it for five years. And we thought it's better to sell the beer from the original place. When you started 20 years ago, I take it Palestine was a wine-drinking country? Well, yes, you could say that. That's why now we have a winery, too. We have the Taiba Winery. Taiba became a group of companies. We make the non-alcoholic. We make the Taiba Winery. We made the hotel. We made the olive oil. And we made the Taiba beer. I noticed in Israel, it's a big learning curve getting people to drink beer over wine. Do you have the same issue? Yes, it's true. It's true. The, the, well... You could say it's a lack of education. But when I came with my boutique beer, natural beer, crafted beer, 70% of my production were sold in Israel in 1994. Now it's the other way around. With all the uprising, with all the competition, now we sell 30% in, 
in Israel and 60% in Palestine and 10% abroad. You were telling me how you started back in the <laughs> States making homebrew. When you came back home to Palestine, did you start off small or large? No, we started small. We started very small. We started with uh, 500 uh, liter batches, and now we are uh, with uh, 8,000 liter. So it's a big, big jump. How many times have you expanded? We expanded like four times, five times. And each time, did you think, this is it? We're never going to expand again? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think the, there is a big, uh, big demand for good quality beers in, in Palestine. I did change the image of the, the drinking habit from good to best. I mean, people were drinking mass-produced beers. Now, there is many Palestinians. Keep in mind that Palestinians have lost their nationalistic feeling about drinking good their own country products. The fact that we were under occupation for so many years. If you go back to the Turkish mandate, the British mandate, the Israeli, the Jordanian, all these occupations made Palestinians not feel good about their own country product. But now people gain that nationalistic feeling and they are supporters. You go to Ramallah and you ask for type of beer and you'll see, or you ask for a beer and you'll see Palestinians insist on drinking their own country beer, which is good. Can you tell me about the beers that you make? Yes, we make a, a golden. This is the first year that we made with a 5% alcohol. It's a session beer that's easy to drink, especially on a hot weather. I, I should probably interrupt Nadine at this point and just say, he looks like he's doing a commercial on TV. He's holding up this beer yeah. perfectly, yeah. puts perfectly. his fingertips <laughs> looking towards me. I don't have a camera, but it looks okay. brilliant. And, uh, continue. Okay. I continue. I, I can tell you what's in, on this label, because this is the brewery on the hills of Taibe with the sunrise as a bright future for Palestine. I put that in 1994, the tanks, the stairs going up, the uh, conditioning tank, the, the mug of beer, the French mold, the Belgian mold, the Bavarian hops. And I named it Taibe. Taibe in Arabic means delicious. Taibe, Bladid. And uh, I'd like you to taste this, actually. I see the beer is arriving, so we'll do a quick little break and do some tasting. We were just tasting the... The golden. Golden nectar. And we were just saying that it's, it's a real light flavor. It's, you taste the malt, you taste it. I mean, you definitely taste the grain in it, but it's not overpowering. It's just, it's a very nice balance. Yeah, it's a refreshing. It's a... It's a good, easy to drink on a hot day because, you know, Palestine in the summer is very hot and you want something refreshing. I could, like I said, it's a session beer that I could drink six or eight of those without any problems. <laughs> I can go to work too. You know? <laughs> well, you already are at work, so there you go. You're, 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 you're no problems. What's the alcohol on this? It's 5%. It doesn't taste like a 5%. It I know less. because it's a smooth one. Cheers. We're trying right now an amber that, uh, how did this beer come about? This is a 5.5%. It's an alt beer. It's uh, You can smell the caramel in it and uh, roasted malt. It's a smooth. It's almost, I don't know if I, mm. it's almost a bit of chocolatey flavor you could, with the you malt in it. You can smell it, exactly. Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, how did this beer come about? Who's, whose idea was it? This is the help of my daughter, Medis. She's the first female Brewster. I gave her the title and I did encourage her a lot to become uh, a head brewer in the Taiba Brewing Company. Would you say she's the only she's female brewer in all Middle East? I think so. I think she's the only female Palestinian <laughs> <laughs> brewer. Yes, yes. But she loves what she's doing, and I'm very happy that both of my kids, Kanaan uh, and Madis, they are uh, taking over the company. And they're following uh, their dad's footstep with the beer. They love making beer. My son, Kanaan, graduated from Harvard University, and he just did uh, uh, the Master in Fermentation Science in UC Davis. And he did the exam in the UK with the IBD exam, the International uh, uh, Brewing and Distilling. And he got the highest score in the world, actually, Kanaan. It seems like your kids are taking it in a slightly different direction. You, right now, the beers are very traditional. That's right. But uh, now they're changing. They're well, she, making... Your daughter was telling me about all these wonderful sours, which, of course, none of them are available right now. But, I mean, she did one with watermelon. That's which, right. But she said you really couldn't taste the watermelon that much, but it was there. Well, I made, uh, I made a beer, which is the white beer, with Palestinian wheat from Taibe. And I used uh, spices from Palestine, like coriander and orange peel from the oldest city in the world, Jericho. So that's why now they are want to make an identity for Palestinian beers. So they start mixing these uh, spices, like some Max Hour, uh, Zatar with beer, some Palestinian herbs, beer, uh, with beer with Shatta, Shatta Ale. He made uh, six, seven different beers for uh, Oktoberfest. And he saw the, the people are very excited and they want to try something different. So that's why they're into these experimental uh, uh, beers that they will make. And I'm putting for them here a brew pub. Uh, I ordered already a five-barrel system that we're going to have uh, with uh, six different tanks. And we will have a brew pub that people will drink on permis in this hotel. Which will be really, yeah, be lovely cool. when you do it. Yeah, It'll be very nice. Your, uh, I mean, your your daughter was telling me that when the uh, the sours are made, they sell out almost. They immediately. sold out exactly. I was shocked even today. I went to for you to taste the winter lager. There is not even a single bottle. She told me there must be some left in the hotel. There is nothing. Keep in mind when you hosting. Groups from Germany, from UK, from France, from everywhere, they come to this hotel and they they consume a lot of beer. They like the beer. Do the do the local Palestinians do they like the sours or do they like? Well, it's a new for them. It's a new tradition. They're trying to do the orientation. Uh, I've been doing the education for the past uh, 25 years, so they're taking over, which is good. I'm very happy for them. Hmm. It's good for the business, too. Yeah? Yes. Do, you, do you see the modern beers as the, the future of the company? Uh, people in the... Yes. Uh, in, the, in the beginning, I offered uh, UFO, unfiltered offering. Uh, people didn't know what's UFO. When we made an IPA, 
people didn't know what's an IPA. You know, IPA in uh, in the world now it's famous. It's six six point six. At one point, nobody know what it, what was it. Now they're drinking it, uh, which very good. And it's more money actually. We sell it for a lot more money because we have a lot of hops in there. Mm. I mean, even. Um in Shapiro, they were talking about the IPAs and saying it, it took a while to get people to drink it with the, uh, with the more hoppy flavor. That's that right. Hand. That's right. But uh, we we did so much so much education about it, which is good. It's working good. So when you say education, how do you mean? We bring people over. We do a, a beer tasting uh, to show them to give them a tour of the brewery. We go to nice hotels, nice restaurant, and uh, uh, show them how to pour a beer, to drink a beer, what to talk about it, what's in it, so they know. And this is the part of education. And do you think are most of these Palestinian Muslims or Christians? Both, both, because the fact that, you know, in, in Palestine it's... Uh, prohibited to advertise beer it's an ask. old Jordanian hmm. law that prohibit advertisement alcohol so the only way to do it is by bringing people over and give them the education this way they go and talk about your beer so this is good this is how we we do it I was going to ask about marketing so you can do no advertising no advertisement it's uh, an old Jordanian law that prohibits advertisement for alcohol. But your website, that's not considered advertising? That's indirect advertisement. So you get around. But, but even that, though, you I mean, I hate to say it, but it's, it's not the most up-to-date uh, website on the planet. It's <laughs> true. It's true. It's true. But, uh, you know, the Facebook and the yeah. Instagram and Twitter and all these, these days are very active more than... Newspapers, mm. actually. Well, I mean, you told me how many times you've been interviewed. Yes. Yes, I mean, what was that? Well, there are so many uh, journalists, they come to Palestine and they want to, they believe that our story is sexy story, beer in Palestine, and uh, uh, they don't, they see it's something different. And uh, we have over 600 articles, actually. Over 600. It's amazing. I'm trying to put them together now and make a book. Somehow in my mind, I picture some journalists coming to Palestine, stuck doing the typical Palestinian-Israeli story. All of a sudden, they hear about some brewery, and they think, God, I'm on expenses. Is this is a legitimate Palestinian story. I'll just go drink beer for the day. And uh, but, but we tell them that politics and beer, they don't mix together because <laughs> I don't want to. I want people to be drunk and happy, you know? Yeah. I don't want to talk about politics because you'll never end in this part of the world. Oh, God, will you never. Ah, I see your daughter, Madi's coming in. Who is the head brewer? One of the brewers. One of the brewers at Tampa. <laughs> But you also have another distinction, which is? I am the first Palestinian female brewer in the Middle East. And you're probably the probably only? Probably the only one, yeah. So how did you become a brewer? Um, I grew up in the, at the brewery uh, since I was nine years old, watching my dad and my uncle my grandfather work and run the business. And I just grew to love the business and the beer and what we're doing. And so um, after... During college, I would come every summer uh, to work with the family and learn the business more and 
my dad was teaching me how to brew. And then, um, yeah, after graduation, I uh, packed my bags and uh, flew back home and uh, been working with my family since. Did you do a degree in, uh, in brewing at I all? did not study it, no. Um, I did my internship at Harpoon Brewery um, for a while. I took a course in China, a uh, brewing and packaging uh, seminar. Yeah. In China? Yeah, very, yeah, in China. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but it was very interesting, uh, very uh, educational as well. It was uh, conducted by the Germans and by the Chinese government. And... Um, yeah, and just visiting breweries all over and uh, meeting new brewer- brewers and uh, tasting new styles of beers, yeah. You seem to be taking the beer in a slightly different direction than your father. Um, playing around with flavors and, t- and different styles and tastes, yeah. Could you tell me about a couple of the sours, which you describe beautifully, what you don't happen to have on hand? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, you're a few months late. <laughs> <laughs> and these sours were... Um, so we, my brother and I, because he's also a master, he actually studied uh, brewing um, at UC Davis in California. So I'm learning from him now as well. And um, so he and I did a, uh, we had a, we made a Brett beer, which is beer aged in old wine barrels for a year, over a year. And we had um, cherry goes. We do whatever's in season, you know. At that time we had uh, cherry. Uh, we did... Um, Watermelon sour. Can you tell me about the watermelon sour? Um, so I'm new to sours, actually. Yeah, um, I'm something that you you need to train your taste pa- uh, taste palate to you know to get adjusted and get used to the taste. So I'm still learning that. Um, but yeah, it was a very nice. Uh, it was a nice sour, actually. Uh, not too strong. Not like not a strong pinch, um, and not too watermelony. If I can say that. You can't say that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, we just do small batches and playing around with whatever's in season. And the, um, the cask aged beer, how did mm. that turn out? Oh, that was, uh, it was our first uh, sour, actually. And um, at first, because it, um, it was a shock to me. Yeah. Um, the easiest way to describe it at first was uh, horse piss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I could I could see that. <laughs> and uh yeah, it was uh it was very um to me it was it was a shock. Um but yeah, that's the I don't know what horse piss tastes like, but you know, that's the easiest way to describe it. <laughs> with with the watermelon, you weren't aging that in wood, were no, you? No, no, we didn't age that. Yeah. Your brother did a sumac beer? He, my brother did a sumac beer, yeah, and a how, sumac ale. And how did that taste? Um, a, a slightly pinkish from the uh, yeah. sumac, and um, it was sour, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a too strong of a sour beer. Yeah, it was nice. Do you, do you see yourself doing more sours then? Um, me personally, um, no. <laughs> well. <laughs> Well, you know how IPAs are like a huge thing thing for the past like 10 or 12 years? Yeah. Um, I think sours are now becoming uh, like a, a very trendy uh, style of beer. Um, the beer culture is still very young in Palestine. And w- even with our IPA, which is it's about two years old now in the market, and people are still like, Palestinians are still trying it, you know, and trying to get into hoppy beers. 
So we're unfortunately we're still behind uh, with all these crazy sours and IPAs and different uh, Belgian style beers and stuff like that. But you know, slowly we're getting there, getting uh, doing some uh, um, uh, special brews during Oktoberfest, uh, especially since we have thousands of people coming for our two-day event. So it's nice to get them to try something new. So we have we al we always have uh, like five special brews for that. So. Slowly. Slowly. Slowly, but we'll get there. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thank you. Nadine, in talking with the Shapiro brothers in Jerusalem, what they would like to do more than anything else would be to do a collaboration with you and Madis. I know they ask me so many times, but I tell them time is not ready. I think still it's a vague. We love collaboration because it's, it's healthy. And it's good, but we still cannot do it because the the knowledge and the education of the people still not good enough at this time. Do you think it, it will change in time? It has to. It has to. We have no choice. Every time we went to a war, we had more misery. So we need to end this occupation and we need to live in peace with all our neighbors and i think beer will make people get together that's exactly what the it's a very good solution that's what the lads at shapiro were saying and they're saying that you know if you're having a beer sitting around the table how can you argue of course not you're going to be enjoying <laughs> the beer enjoying each other's company that's right that's right i'd like to thank my host nadine Kuri at tebed brewing company thank you so much for letting me come here today you're welcome. Anytime. Um, for part one of the On the Road series and all the other great Brewers Journal podcasts, go to www.reviewmedia.com. For the next Brewers Lecture series, visit the Brewer Journal's website. And you, my brewing compadres, thanks for listening. This has been Velo Mitrovich. <laughs>